This is the Optical Entrepreneur Podcast, brought to you by Optical Success Academy and Seiko. Whether you call yourself an optometrist, an optician, or an optical practice owner, then wherever you're listening to this right now, this is for you. It's me revealing everything I can to make you a more successful business owner. Thank you for listening. I appreciate you being here in our growing community. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Optical Entrepreneur Podcast. This is Connor. I'm delighted to be here. And we're just going to dive straight in today. This is part two of the episode featuring Q&A with Linda Moyer, who was Virgin Atlantic's Director of In-Flight Services, personally hired by Sir Richard Branson to make flying fun at Virgin, which uh, they did and and achieved great success in doing. Uh, I didn't mention in the introduction last time in part one that Linda also headed up the customer service team at the London 2012 Olympics that delivered outstanding front of house service by 15,000 volunteers. So she was able to deliver an amazing service experience and not even pay these people, they were volunteering. So there were 9 million spectators to the Olympics in London and, and it resulted in one of the most successful Olympic and Paralympic Games in history. So really, it's, Linda knows a lot about what motivates the front line of any business or any organization to really deliver at the highest possible level and, and to craft a customer experience that drives the, you know, the revenue and the reputation of your practice. So enjoy listening to more of the Q&A that we did with Linda. And if you would like to to come along and experience one of our live events for yourself and see what all the fuss is about and give yourself the the refocus and the re-energizing and just getting out of your head in terms of being stuck in the day-to-day running of your practice and giving yourself the space and the ability to to step back and look at the bigger picture of your, your business and your practice and what you're doing, then reach out to the team at Optical Success Academy. Send us an email. And we've got some amazing uh, podcasts lined up and coming down the pipeline as well. So make sure you're subscribed and, and listening and getting all the updates with uh, with the podcasts as we as we uh, develop and, and grow this community. So enjoy part two and I will talk with you soon. So why don't we go first with you, Paula? Over there. Thank you for a really good talk. Thank you. Very Thank you. Um, it's just with regard to employing someone, getting someone on your team. How can you get someone with that certain, you know, attitude, you know, to be empowered to do what you're looking for them to do? Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. Recruitment is. I mean, what you're trying to do in the recruitment process is kind of mitigate risk, and sometimes you get it wrong. So uh, the first thing I would say is, uh, you know, if you if you bring somebody in and it's not working, do the brave thing early on and uh, tell them it's not working, and probably it's not working for them either. So don't kind of keep going with somebody because it is, as we've discussed, you, the reputation of your whole business is, is with that one person. I mean, how do you get the right people? If I had the solution to that, I would probably, you know, be a squillionaire. Um, my my principles around recruitment are involve your team. If you have a team, involve them in the recruitment process. Um, I think we were chatting over coffee that I believe Pret um, invite people in to do a shift with the team before they confirm them in their position, which is quite an interesting thing to do. Um, 
it's all, recruitment is all about attitude. Uh, I know you probably need certain qualifications or whatever, but most knowledge can be uh, trained. Attitude is much harder to change. So really concentrate on attitude. Um, and, tr- and interviews, I feel, are just so fake. Um, if there was any other way of recruiting somebody, if it was a discussion with the team, if it was a chance to see them doing something, just try to get out of that horribly fake, you know, I ask the questions, you tell me how marvellous you are. I mean, it's for good luck in picking a needle out of that particular haystack. Um, so whilst I haven't got a solution, I think those are the principles that I would use to, to try and mitigate the recruitment risk. But if you take that risk and it's not right, deal with it. That would be my thought. Thank you very much. Thanks. Um, I, I would add as well, Paula, I think sometimes, again, this is probably us being opticians and going to university and learning. Here's how you do an eye exam, step one, step two, step three, and it's all very formulaic. Um, and often when there's a, when you're doing an interview, often there can be the, because we don't really know what we're doing, we go into this mode where, okay, I'm now the employer and you're going to listen and mm. it's all very formal again versus I think what we try to do is just treat them the way we would treat a customer. And I think, it, especially if you think about the kind of culture and business you want to have, you can't really then not be like that in your recruitment process. So we try and put them at ease, make them relaxed, um, make it, if, you know, if we did invite people in to do a shift, we'd say, I know you're not going to know about frames. Don't worry about that. Just mm. be yourself. It's mm. easy. We've invited you because, you know, we really like the look of you. And so you, you're not, not really trying to catch them out. You're trying to encourage them to see how good can they perform or how well can they mm. perform. Um, and then, yeah, of course, you're seeing, am I warming to them? How are they handling the stress? But we're trying to make them comfortable the whole way through. And I think that really highlights when you have somebody that has a bit of a spark rather than mm. if, if you're just formulaic and yeah. other John, people John don't really Lewis know how to invite behave. people in um, and they, get, they, they are, invite them as part of the interview process. They do an hour on the floor. And, you know, they know that they won't have a... If someone says, you know... I don't know, ask them any technical question, they won't have a clue, but they're watching to see just their style of interaction Mm -hmm. and whether they can use their kind of common sense to help somebody. So very much echoing what you're saying. It's not about the knowledge at that point. It's it's trying to see what their attitude would be. Yeah, and definitely meeting the team or engaging the team is a a big one, I think. So we do that. and, And again, we really just treat them like a client arriving. So we'll set it up where... They arrive and they're not just straight through to the interview. They're sitting in reception and they're chatting to Amy or Catherine or Gareth the way a client would. How's your day going? And to see, you know, does the team warm to them? But with the team as well, I let them know I want you to chat to them. But I tell them, go easy on them. I cut them some slack. They're nervous. nervous. They don't know what they're doing. So they're not going to go this and they're not going to go that. So don't kind of get all too too critical so um but yeah that's worked really well and normally the team kind of get the final say off because again if you pick somebody and say here you go you're in the team now and the team like why we hire that one i like the other one better and then again you're often you're going to get resistance so bringing the team along is a big one thank you for that uh where do we go after paula chris hi chris 
Hi, Linda. Hi. Thanks. That was great talk. Great. Um, I think you probably covered this a bit already, but I just wanted to get your advice on how we can bring less positive people on board on the journey and, and at yeah. what point is it best just to call it a day? Yeah, excellent question. I mean, I guess we slightly covered that, but if you think, it, you know, you've kind of got a normal distribution and as leaders, you spend 90% of your time worrying about 2% who are kind of not on board. Whereas what you should be doing as leaders is spend 90% of your time encouraging your great people and this lump in the middle. Because you all you're trying to do is get your lump kind of over the line to being positive. So, um, you know, my, my again, my principles around are in your quest to deal with the negative people, don't forget the positive people. I'm talking to myself there because it's very... Negative people take up a disproportionate, too much headspace, really. And um, be bold and deal with it. Uh, my hunch is you probably don't have that many negative people in your business. So, uh, but, but if there is one, it will be... Infect- just as positivity can be infectious, so negativity can be infectious. Um, but I think as leaders, just and I think Connor said it in his talk, you've got to just keep investing in the team. And that investment doesn't have to be financial or reward. It can be training. It can be the opportunity to learn new skills. But that investment is all about kind of continuing to create that positivity. Yeah, thank I think, you. I think as well, it goes back to your answer about coaching them. So yeah. for, for me, I think if you open a business in this kind of industry in this day and age you kind of have to be a bit of an optimist to think yes you know here's all the odds stacked against us and all the figures of how many businesses fail in the first five years and yet we're oh, we can make this work so I think you know typically speaking we'll be optimists so when you have a team member where you're like oh, they're just not there but I don't want to give up I, I kind of want to make this work so I think it's the two things I would do is put a time limit on it which is okay I'm we're going to give this three months, a bit like a probationary period. By yes. the end of three months, I want to get to this point where I'm happy with this person and delighted. So I'm going to sit down with them and explain that's the objective. And also coach them. Don't then just sit back and expect them to figure it out by themselves. I think I'm not going to, here's what I'm going to do to invest in this person to help them along. And then if at three, point, three months we're still having the same issue as well, okay, now we make our decision. So I find that an easier way to you know, what to know when is enough as you kind of put a timeline in it, invest in a plan and make it happen and then make your decision then at that point. Mm. Um, okay, so we have a question from Tamara. I'm going to rudely check my phone because some people have been texting questions in oh. that Karina's um, has forwarded. So Tamara, uh, okay, if we could get a mic for Tamara, please. Um, we'll go back to Rachel and then the other one. Was there another one? No, it was just Tamara's by text. So Hi, Tamara Tom. and Rachel. Hi, Linda. Hi. I think you've answered this question probably ad nauseum because it's that similar kind of theme. You were working with teams, like large teams, and trying to get them to innovate what they were doing with their customers or with, with um, volunteers, with people visiting the games. What would be your top couple of tips when you're working in a really small business yeah. to just get people really on board and as positive as possible? Like I said, I think you've covered it really well so far, but just those top yeah. two takeaways for a small team. Yeah, no, I, I, I love that question because actually I think a, a small team in some ways is more challenging uh, because I think you know how you are as the leader of that team 
it, you know, you can't kind of sneak away and have a bad day, really. It's, it's exposed to everybody. So um, I think your behaviour as leader is super important in a, in a small team. Um, so I think that makes an enormous difference. But the advantage of a small team is that you don't have the complexities of communication. So um, although, you know, you look at the Olympic and you think, wow, 15,000 volunteers. I never spoke, well, only once spoke to all 15,000 in one go. Otherwise, we broke everybody. Small teams work. People love being, you know, they like being part of a whole, but they love being in something they understand. And that's the joy of a small team. So what worked for us is um, at the Olympics, uh, we had our morning briefings. So we started every shift with a cup of coffee and a shout out for who'd done something great. Um, And that was a chance for the shift leader to, you know, bring their personality to how things were going to be that day. So, um, again, if you know, anyone who can remember Hill Street Blues on the telly? No, you're too young. So, no, nobody's nodding. Oh, my God, I'm so old. Um, yay, somebody remembers Hill Street Blues. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I mean, do you remember they always start, so this is a police, uh, a, 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 oh, I don't know, somewhere in America, a police thing, and they always start in the morning with a bit of a briefing and all these hard-nosed cops would stand around with their coffee and the shift, that the top cop would say, be careful out there at the end of every shift. And I think there's, I'm I'm not suggesting you you do that, but something that starts the shift. um, I mean, look, just to kind of expand on that, I remember at Virgin, we could see how customer satisfaction connected to each of our flight managers. So I could walk into a briefing of the flight and I could tell you whether that was going to be a great flight with great customer feedback or not. And it was all done to the flight manager who started with the briefing. And if someone started the briefing saying, I've got to ask you safety questions and if you don't pass them, you get bumped off the flight, guess what? Nobody's feeling very great at that point. But if you've got someone who tries to make it a bit more fun, does the important stuff, but does it in a way that brings personality and spark and enthusiasm and energy. Um, So it's a very long answer to your question about small teams. But I suppose that morning briefing, that setting up of the day is even more important. Yeah, great, great question. Thank you, Tamara. And now, a word from our sponsor, Hi, Connor Heaney here. In 2017, after feeling frustrated and underappreciated by our previous lens supplier, my practice started working with Seiko as our primary lens company, and we haven't looked back. The Seiko team are a joy to work with. They are extremely helpful and flexible to our needs, which means we can provide far better service to our clients at Jones & Co. Styling Opticians. Our patients are delighted with the quality of vision they get from their Seiko lenses, and for over four years now, it's been an excellent and profitable partnership with Seiko for my practice. I can't recommend them highly enough. To receive a Seiko information pack, including a special lens offer for podcast listeners, send an email to infouk at seikovision.com with the subject podcast. Find out how Seiko can help your practice the same way they help mine. Send an email to infouk at seikovision.com with the subject podcast. Uh, Rachel? Hello, Rachel. Hi, Linda. Um, Thanks a million for a great talk. It's so relevant. Um, So my question is, I have one team member who's fantastic, a real superstar in the practice, but the one thing he lacks is attention to detail and consistency when it comes to critical non-essentials. So things like 
pudding, we have stencils of glasses for the cappuccinos and he always forgets too much fuss to, you know, do these little tiny things. But how can I get him to improve on this without being a nag? <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's really interesting. So he's got a lovely customer. Brilliant. Yeah, he's fantastic on all, on very personable and yeah. all that side. But so it's... he's got his um, magic touches, mm-hmm. but he's not doing his brilliant basics. Well, well, I suppose brilliant basics for us might be doing the dispensing and the selling, but these little fiddly things, he finds them, yeah, he gets... I don't need to do those for doing these other things. Oh, I see. So do you yeah. think it's attitudinal rather than capability? What would you... Well, th- I think it's just he's male and he doesn't see... Oh. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> well, there's your answer, really. <laughs> Do you know, I'm not sure how to deal with that. It sounds like it's a coaching thing. I okay. mean, but yeah. presumably you have, you've spoken about this. This yeah. won't be the first time that you've raised this, but he's not <laughs> responding, not seeing it as important. I suppose it's not seeing it as important. Right. So there are more important things to do. And there probably, there is, you know, he does yeah. all the really important stuff, but then you're like, oh, well, we have this stuff to do as well. Yeah. yeah. So. Gosh, that's a tricky one, isn't it? What's I th- the answer? I think it's... Um... <laughs> I'll just refer to my learned <laughs> colleague. No, I'll, uh, I'll kind of phrase it in a slightly different way as a question for you. But I think it's all these people that we hire are individuals and yes. they have strengths, but they also have weaknesses. So it's been willing to, you know, they've done these 99 things right, but you're getting that one thing wrong. But right. still, this one thing this is, is important. And it's human. how do we, you know, get that across? Do we kind of pick our battles? I understand your question, yeah. And you you don't want to be kind of sitting on someone's shoulder saying, you didn't do that when, yeah. yeah. And we have team members that, you know, one person will, Gareth will do something brilliantly well and he's a bit weak over here. What's he weak? No, I'm joking. Yeah, Yeah, no, I, I totally understand your point. I suppose, golly, I haven't got a specific answer. What I think, though, is this is, I'm going to use that horribly overused X factor word, this is a journey. And um, managing people, it's, it's, you know, you don't walk through an arch and people come out the other side uh, like robots, all doing absolutely everything that you've told them to do. People have good days, bad days. People forget. Um, you know, this is the joy of people and it's the challenge of people. So I guess the only tip I can give is don't, don't give up. Um, if it's important, it's important and it's kind of got to be done. You've got to keep praising the positive, but just, I'm sorry, I haven't got a good, no, I haven't got a good answer for that. <laughs> that's not very, that's honest. I, I would, the things that spring to my mind would be, um, first of all, good enough's good enough. So yeah, we're having good. record growth, yeah. five-star reviews, clients love them. It's fine. Yeah. Um, but then if you want to focus on something, so we often would do a quarterly theme, you know this, so we're going to pick for this quarter, we're going to focus on, and it might be brilliant basics. So for the whole quarter, we're, our team meetings are going to be around this. We're going to collectively as a team really focus on it. So I think you can, if it's that important, you can bring focus to it collectively as a team where now we're, you know, we might even incentivize it. We're going to talk about it for, so, you know, it's in a structured way. So that's kind of two ways I would... I would say, but you guys are doing all right. Fraser, I'm going to stand up for Fraser. I think Fraser's a good guy. Plus, this has been recorded, so. 
We need so, to educate. Thank you, Rachel. Um, okay, so I've got one question uh, from myself, if that's all right. Um, I won't put myself in the draw, though, for the, for the prize. I'll refrain. Uh, okay, so you said when you dealt with Richard Branson, there were only two things he would call you about, and he would ask, how's the morale of the crew? And what are customers saying, which I thought was brilliant. And uh, when I do a call with Catherine as practice manager, um, I ask her more than two things. Nah. It goes can go on a bit. Um, but I do always ask, I'm always asking what are, what are customers saying? And I'm also always asking, you know, how's Gareth? How's Nick? How's Jess? And really, that's what I'm trying to figure out. Are they in a good place? Because yes. if the morale is good, you know, sales will be good and service will be good. So have you got any tips of how do you keep track of that? How do you know when Richard Branson asks, how's morale of the yeah. crew? Yeah. How do you know that answer? How yeah. do you track it? So people tie themselves in knots trying to measure these things. And um, certainly in large organisations, there's a whole industry around measurement and surveys. I mean, my goodness, as consumers, you can't buy anything at the moment, can you, without getting some trust pilot something uh, check a trade thing, asking you, you know, your feedback is really important. Um, I think qualitative feedback, so what people are saying, for me, has always been much more important than what boxes they tick. So um, I think of, uh, you will know as business owners whether morale is better or worse this month than it was last month. You will just know that because you're connected to what your people are saying. So although there is definitely a place for all that tick box stuff, um, I never waited to see the results of surveys. I just think having conversations, listening to people, asking people what they feel like, for me, that is just so, you know, much, much, much more important. And I'm sure you and your colleagues will know if a customer is happy or if they're really delighted, they will know what that difference is. Mm -hmm. And just being happy, happy is good, but being thrilled and delighted, to me, that sounds much more about what you're in the game mm -hmm. of. So yeah. uh, just and, ask people. And I think with your team as well, you can, like, I can walk in in the morning and I, you can sense it instantly. Yes. Is the team in a good place or not? You can, um, any then tips on what do I, okay, the team aren't in a good place. What do you do? Now what do we do? Yeah. Okay. So um, at Virgin, uh, we had lovely trade union who'd come tell me everything that was wrong. Um, I mean, my ambition was always to try and make the trade union irrelevant um, by setting up so that the crew would rather come and talk to their boss rather than talk to the union. Um, it's probably quite a contentious thing to say. I'm not anti-union, but I, I, I wanted to make sure that we were doing our jobs properly. Um, so tips are... Trying, so we tried to treat the crew as our customer. So if there was something that was causing concern, and it was usually around the roster, we would try and invest, you know, if I only had a pound to invest, I would have invested a pound in to try and get that roster so that people had a say in it rather than imposing it on people. Um, and trying to fix the basics to make it easier for the crew to do their job. So, for example, um, in... You know, one of my airport days where I basically just sat with a cup of coffee in the crew lounge and talked to people all day, people would say to me things like, 
Um, oh, we never have enough champagne on Barbados flights because Barbados, people are going to get married or to celebrate something, and we never have enough champagne. I spoke to the uh, food and bev person, and um, they said, oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know... Uh, so, <laughs> and I'm not saying I'm brilliant, but it sometimes it just took a simple conversation. Mm-hmm. Boy, did that improve morale, just by so that the crew had the tools to be able to do their job. So treat your colleagues almost as you would want a customer to be treated and try and fix some of the basics. And sometimes that is around days off and rostering. Mm -hmm. Try and get that so that people have a say in that kind of stuff. Um, And just fix stuff so it makes their job easier. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you. I think on the roster, and I think rota is probably an issue for a lot of people. And I had a conversation recently with two friends who are both optometrists, they're not in OSA, um, but one of them does it himself. So this is Tarek, who obviously I ran a business with. Um, uh, so he's still, he's still doing the rota every month, all the headaches of trying to figure yeah. it out, and the staff aren't happy with it. And another friend who's a lot more, well, Tarek's laid back, but my other friend is even more laid back, he was like, I give it to the staff yes, years ago. You, you guys do it. And they bend over backwards for each other. Oh, you don't worry. I'll move my holiday so you can do this. And, and there's no problem at all. And he doesn't have to lift a finger. So uh, it Jones ago, Catherine does the rota. She probably has a few headaches, but I don't have to worry about it. So I think sometimes giving them ownership, Absolutely. they'll figure out solutions themselves. So we, we did, this was a Virgin BA difference, is we couldn't quite tell the crew, you go where you yeah. want, but we did give the crew much more say in their rota than they do at BA. Guess what? Our sickness levels were significantly lower. Yeah. So it's a win-win. Yeah? Yeah. So that's good. And then my last final question, uh, slightly different topic, but how important, it's a quite a simple question. So you called the volunteers... Games, games makers. makers so how important and you know virgin similar things how important is language and choice of language in terms yeah. of how people feel about what they do great question language really really matters um i i remember when we had a, a new boss start at um well when i was working at british airways and he'd been in the business a month and he said um i've noticed that we call passengers punters he said that's got to stop mm-hmm. that stops now um, you know, these are the people who are paying for us. So we're going to... So I, I always just remember that because it made me think, gosh, language really does matter. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I'm, it comes back to what language we use as leaders. You know, if we use positive, inclusive language, then folks in the business will understand that that's the language mm-hmm. that is important. Yeah. So I think it's worth investing a bit of time thinking about, you know, we're not we're not just a volunteer, or you're not just a technician, or you know, yes, what's, yes, what's the right meaning? Um, and I think that's really important as well. For this, this is a to, to my mum. We were in holidays in Ireland recently with my parents and spent quite a long time together. And I've got two little boys, and I can't remember specifically, but I, I shouted, snapped at George a little bit. And she said, "Don't call him that. You know, language is really important." kids really take that on board if you say something that really shapes how they think about yeah you know whether they're smart or silly or what they can do or can't do so I think it extends to work as well in yeah terms definitely of- definitely one of the things um 
we did at Virgin was we recognizing the importance of the the leader on board because you know when they're up there I couldn't do anything to kind of influence the flight is we called our I can't I think they were called in-flight supervisors which not brilliant we called them flight service managers and we gave them business cards so doesn't that make you feel slightly different? Mm-hmm. So, so language does matter. Yeah. yeah, it instills a complete change in what yeah. the role of that person is. Yeah, great. Well, thank you very much, Linda. Um, really appreciate you coming to spend time with us and being so, um, you know, sharing so much and making it fun as well. So, Brilliant. big round of applause for you, Linda. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Optical Entrepreneur Podcast. If you're brand new to our world, head over to opticalsuccessacademy.com where you can get started with my special report, The Nine Keys That Unlock the Hidden Profits in Your Practice. Or if you've been listening to the show for a while, you like what you hear and you think you could benefit from this type of help to accelerate the growth and profitability of your practice, reach out to my team at info at and tell us exactly what you're looking for. You'll find all this information in the show notes. And if you know someone who would benefit from today's show, please share it with them. Until next time, make it a great month.